0: Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Greetings, how are you this week? How's how's life going? How's fall going for you? I hope it's fantastic. Um, this quarter, I'm talking about... Kind of all of the things that you would want to take into consideration in making critical career decisions. And so one of the concepts that I've, I've talked about this month is the idea of macro decisions versus micro decisions. And The macro decisions are those decisions about the career that you choose as a whole. So whether you're just getting out of college or you've been in a field for a while and want to make a career shift. Um, Or maybe you've been out of school for a while and just haven't landed in a career you've sort of had part-time or even full-time jobs that aren't career-related and you're ready to get serious about your career. So that's making these decisions on a macro level. There's also the micro level where you are looking at individual positions that you apply for or that you go in for an interview for to see do these mesh with what's most important to me. So we're going to be talking today about specifically your personality want to remind you at the outset, you guys, to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast so I can get my numbers up and more people will know about this resource and and I can help more people. So please help me do that. All right, so personality. So I'm a master practitioner of the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, also called the MBTI, which is the world's most widely used personality assessment. So it's a psychological tool that is designed to reveal your personality preferences, kind of the things you were born with. So the analogy that I always use when I'm working with my clients is this. I have them write their name. And whether they use their right hand like most people do or their left hand like I do, I identify that as their preferred hands. Whichever hand they, they picked up the pencil or the pen with and started writing was their preferred hand. I'm going to make an assumption that no one forced them to use that hand against their will at an early age, that they just sort of picked up a crayon at some point and started using that hand. So that's their innate preference. They didn't choose it. It kind of chose them, if you want to think about it that way. The next thing I have them do is switch hands and write their name with their non-preferred hand, and we talk about, you know, this was a lot more conscious effort, I had to really think about how to shape the letters and what direction to move my hand in, and it felt very awkward and uncomfortable, and my results certainly weren't as good. So then I have them imagine that if I were to break their preferred arm, and they were in a cast for six months, and they had to use their non-preferred arm exclusively, So they would have to write exclusively with their non-preferred hand. And we also talk about the fact that, you know, if you're gonna do that exclusively for six months, you'd get better at it for sure. But if somebody came up to you during that time, a colleague and said, oh my gosh, your arm is broken. Is that your writing hand? You would automatically say yes. Even though you're not using that hand at all to write with at that time, it's still your writing hand. It's still your preferred hand. And of course, as soon as the cast comes off, that's the hand you're going to go back to. So the Myers-Briggs measures personality preferences on four scales and identifies you as having one of of 16 personality types based on your responses. And it's identifying your innate preferences, the way you prefer to handle a situation. If you're given the option, you can do things the way you want to. You can behave the way you want to. But here's the thing, all of us have to access that non-preferred side of our personality on a daily basis. So think about, you know, an introvert. I'm going to be defining these terms for you in a moment. But an introvert um, who has to go on a two-day team building event with co-workers and finds it incredibly draining. I actually have a colleague who was moaning about that recently because she is an introvert. And she had to do a beginning of the school year uh, two-day team building where they stayed together and she was just dreading it. The perceiver, people who don't like a lot of structure in their life, who has a boss who expects her to stick to a really tight schedule and be very structured in the way she does her work. The thinker who, who makes his decisions with his head, who has a coworker come to him or maybe an employee who comes who's very emotional and has a personal problem that they need to talk about, that's going to be pretty uncomfortable for the thinker. And the intuitive, those people who are very creative and and like to work in possibilities and and use their imagination, who is given a project assignment that requires her to complete a task in a very sequential manner. So these are just some examples. We all have to use that non-preferred side of our personality um, on a daily basis. And so knowing your preference, first of all, allows you to get a position, a job in a career field. is going to better use your personality preferences. But also, you can be aware of and plan for those days when you have to use that non-preferred side. I'll give you a perfect example. I have a very strong preference for making my decisions with my heart and not my head. And so, I was actually very good at, I talked um, a couple weeks ago about, um, or or last week, I guess, about motivated skills. And... um, one of my, one of my burnout skills is, you know, analyzing financial data and setting budgets and all that. I'm pretty darn good at it and I hate it. And so whenever that time would come in the year where I was having to set budgets for the coming year or having to do, you know, budget reports, how I spent the money this year, I had to be very aware of that was not my preferred personality uh, characteristic preference. And so That night would not be the night that I would want to like balance my checkbook at home or, you know, let's create this plan to do something. I needed something very creative and something to kind of restore equilibrium, essentially. So when you know these things about your personality, you can kind of plan for, you know, what do I need to do this weekend? What do I need to do after work today? How do I need to kind of, again, I like the term restore equilibrium. All right, so let's translate this into your career choice. So, you know, we've got this micro-level and macro-level decision. So the macro-level decision is the career in the first place, right, the overall career. And then the micro-level is the specific job within that career. And then I take it even one step further in the micro-level of, like, what assignments do I want to either raise my hand and volunteer for or, you know, ask my boss if he'll put me on this thing or do this thing. Or uh, conversely, the things that I kind of want to stay away from because they don't kind of play to my strengths. So here's, here's an example. I once, and I remember this so clearly, it's been many years ago, but I worked with this, I worked with a YMCA team in in Missouri when I lived there, and the director reached out to me to do some MBTI training with her team, and the the specific reason was that she had an assistant director on the team who was not performing uh, to her expectations, and she was pretty sure she was going to have to initiate uh, termination with this guy, but she wanted to try to salvage him if she could, and so she asked me to come in and do some team building. And one of the things that came out that was such a surprise to everyone there, all of the team, other team members, was that this guy who was pretty shy and kind of almost socially awkward at work was an extrovert, right? So he here his job, and, and large part of his job was to organize all of the kids sporting activities so setting the schedules making sure he had um, uh, coaches and referees and fields set aside and the times were set up and they were posted and you know all that stuff that you got to do to run a like a recreation league for multiple sports and that would be a great fit for an extrovert but the interesting thing about him and this wasn't the only thing that was going on but this was one of the big things that came out he was really unhappy. He never said a word to anyone, but he was super unhappy that his his office was kind of down a long hall at the end like at a dead end and nobody ever came back there. He did not have any contact when he was back in his office with customers coming or going that you know the the desk where he worked was right by the front door, but he's back behind the desk, behind a wall and down a hallway. And he just wasn't getting that need to interact with people being met, and and it was just a real interesting thing to see how that all kind of unfolded in that in that retreat that I did with them, and then how the other employees reacted to kind of learning. It's like they didn't know him at all, and they'd worked with him in some cases for years. So let's talk now about what the preference pairs are that are measured by the MBTI. So I've thrown some terms around to you that you're probably not familiar with, and now I want to kind of, you know, school you on them. So the first preference pair with the Myers-Briggs is extroversion versus introversion. And this speaks to where you get your energy from. So extroverts are energized from the people and the activities going on around them. So there's, there's it's sort of an external energy source. Introverts get their energy from within by being alone, getting away from people, being alone with their thoughts and their in their just being with themselves extroverts are pretty comfortable meeting and introducing themselves speaking to strangers they don't have a problem with starting a conversation up with someone they don't know introverts are often what is referred to as a receiver they would much rather have you come up and meet them and they're not comfortable trying to kind of find a common ground with somebody that they don't know it's a very awkward uncomfortable thing for them Extroverts tend to be defined as open books, so meaning that you pretty much get to know them. They're going to be very open about who they are and how they feel and, and kind of give you pretty, pretty good depth right off the bat. Introverts tend to be much more closed books, and so they aren't going to let you know really what they're thinking or what they're feeling until they, can, they feel like they can trust you. They get to know you better, and you're kind of in their inner circle. So that's extroversion versus introversion, where you get your energy from. The next preference pair is sensing versus intuition, and this has to do with how you take in information. So, sensors take in information by the way of the five senses, so sight, taste, touch, hearing, and smell. Introverts take in information by the way of the sixth sense, their intuition. Sensors like to deal with kind of concrete, practical information, kind of work in the here and now, Utility, value, that's what's important to them. Intuitives like to deal with abstract ideas, concepts, kind of creativity and imagination, relationships between things. Sensors tend to trust and and want to repeat what has worked in the past, and they aren't likely to want to make changes if something's working okay. So, you know, you've heard the expression that people hate change. Well, the sensors hate change. Intuitives love change, and they want to change things up even if it's working fine. They like the new and the different. So that's sensing versus intuition, how you take in information. The next preference pair, thinking versus feeling, has to do with how you make decisions. So thinkers make decisions using cool and personal logic. So in other words, they're using their head in making a decision. Feelers make their decisions using sympathy and value. So in other words, they're making their decisions with their heart. Thinkers tend to stick to established rules and regulations. So the way that they see, it, to their perspective, the way to treat everyone fairly is to treat everyone the same. Feelers are going to consider the circumstances because they believe that the way to treat everyone fairly is to treat everyone differently and kind of personalize it thinkers will be brutally honest in evaluating work performance so if you go up to a thinker and you say tell me what you think about this report they're going to shred it and it may seem very cruel or very harsh but they're doing that because they believe to the core of their being that you would not have come to them if you didn't want the truth because they they're not going to varnish it they're not going to sugarcoat it they're going to give it to you Feelers are going to consider your feelings, and so they may be much um, more—they much much more appreciative of your work. Kind of talking about the good points first. They may give you a little bit of constructive criticism, but but you're going to have a—it's probably going to be a more pleasant experience. But you know, if it's for example, if it's a performance review at work, you you may leave that performance review and not have a real clear sense of direction. So that's thinking versus feeling, which is how you make decisions. The final preference pair is judging versus perceiving, which is has, has to do with how you organize your life. So, judgers reduce stress in their life by planning, using calendars and systems that kind of create a, a super structure of organization in their lives. They do this at work, and they do this at home. They want structure and organization that brings the stress level down. Perceivers want freedom To do what they feel like doing at any given time. So they like spontaneity and openness and and a lack of structure. They consider planners and and calendars a necessary evil. They may use them, they may not. Um, They really don't like them and they certainly will not use them in their free time. They want as much freedom during their free time as possible. Judgers will avoid the pressure of last-minute work by making sure that they get things done well in advance. They typically will start early and kind of give a steady stream of effort. So like if it's a project, they're going to spend like an hour a day on it and get that thing done well ahead of time. Perceivers tend to work backwards from a deadline. So if the deadline is on Friday they'll be like, hey boss, is it five o'clock on Friday? What time is it due? And then they'll kind of work backwards from there. And that's when they do their best work because they've got that adrenaline rush and they're kind of, you know, all hands on deck, all cylinders are firing and that's when they do their best work. So that's judging versus perceiving how you structure yourself. So let's talk about why this matters. So there's been a lot of research on the Myers-Briggs, because it is the world's most widely used personality inventory. A lot of research has gone into the personalities and the careers chosen by the different personalities. Remember I told you at the outset that there's 16 possible combinations of four letters, right? So extroversion, introversion, sensing, uh, intuition, thinking, feeling, judging, perceiving, you come up with 16 combinations. So I want to give you just a couple of examples to kind of play this out for you. So the first one I'm going to use is ENFJ. So that's Extroverted, Intuitive, Feeling, Judging. So when you combine those four letters, you get this kind of a description. This is, this is actually from a handout that I give people when they do a retreat with me. So ENFJs are Imaginative Harmonizers. I want you to listen to this in terms of think about what careers would fit with this personality type that I'm describing, and then I'm going to give you some careers that are most frequently pursued by ENFJs. So ENFJs are imaginative harmonizers. They are at their best when winning people's cooperation with insight into their needs. They value having a wide circle of friendships, relationships, having a positive, enthusiastic view of life, seeing subtleties in people and interactions, understanding others' needs and concerns, an active energizing social life, seeing possibilities in people, follow through on important projects, working on several projects at once, caring and imaginative problem solving, maintaining relationships to make things work, shaping organizations to better serve members, and caring, compassion, and tactfulness. That's an ENFJ. Extroverted, intuitive, feeling, judging. So the fields that ENFJs most frequently go into are those that involve helping others achieve their goals. So like looking for the future to help them become what they want to become. So using creativity is also really essential to an ENFJ's job satisfaction. So here are some careers Most frequently pursued by ENFJs. Public relations manager. So, if you don't know what that is, that's the person who's kind of the face of a company. They deal with, you know, the the media and um, anything to do with the kind of the public opinion of that organization. Social worker, career counselor, which is what I've been for most of my life. And by the way, I am an ENFJ. Editor, high school teacher human resources manager, advertising manager, and a marriage and family therapist, so some kind of a counselor. Hopefully you were kind of on that, you were hearing that from that description. You were thinking, well this needs to be someone who's a teacher, a counselor, a trainer of some sort, social worker certainly helping people. Um, so that's an FJ. Let me give you a very different one. I'm actually going to give you the opposite letters. So this is an ISTP, so introverted, sensing, thinking, perceiving. Here's my description. ISTPs are practical analyzers and they are at their best when analyzing experience to find logic and underlying properties. They value a reserved outer life, having a concrete present day view of life, clear exact facts, looking for efficient least effort solutions, knowing how mechanical things work, pursuing interest in depth, freedom from organizational constraints, independence and self-management, spontaneous hands-on learning, having useful technical expertise, critical analysis as a means to improve things, and solving problems with detached sequential analysis. So that's just the opposite of what I am, and I read that and I'm kind of smiling as I'm reading it because it's so opposite um, of me. So what fields do these people pursue? So they're gonna need a lot of freedom in their work, um, freedom in terms of their schedule, freedom in terms of what they do on a day-to-day basis, and maybe even freedom in where that work is done. They you know have freedom to do it from home or do it from an office or do it from a remote location. Variety is very important to ISTPs, and they also want to do kind of hands-on, practical work. So here are eight top career fields for ISTPs. Building inspector. Forester. So the dudes out in the woods. I used to be married to one of those. I can tell you all about them. Out in the woods, count the trees. Chef. Athletic trainer. Financial manager. Software developer mechanical engineer, and police officer. So let's wrap this up. Using personality information as you kind of make career decisions, again on that macro and micro level, are going to help you align your preferences with your work. So if you, the the analogy that I used at the outset about which hand you write with, think about that. If you're constantly at work using your non-preferred hand, it's going to be exhausting It's going to probably not be very fulfilling for you, and you're probably not going to be as successful at it. So when you can align your career choice with your personality as a piece of this puzzle, we're kind of putting pieces together the whole month of October, and this piece is that personality piece, you're going to be so much more satisfied, successful, and just kill it at work. So I want to make I want to make a final note about the Myers Briggs, and that is this: there are a lot of online knockoffs of the Myers Briggs that are they're not called the Myers Briggs, and they don't have all the questions, and they don't have the science behind it, and they're more like I think of them as the Cosmopolitan exam, you know, like the little test on Cosmo that, that you answer five questions kind of thing, which is fine. Just know that that's what it is. If you really want to know this information about yourself, then you want to work with a qualified professional like myself. So. There are people who are MBTI qualified, and then there are master practitioners, which is a whole nother level, and that's what I am. You can get the Myers-Briggs online, and there are some irreputable dealers who are allowing you to walk away with those results without any kind of an interpretation. And that is strictly against what we are kind of um, supposed to do. And so I highly recommend Because it's a psychological tool, you're kind of being given information about yourself with no way to understand what it means. So I highly encourage you to work with someone like me who can interpret your results for you and make sure that you take a legitimate version of the Myers-Briggs. So I want to, again, give you that URL if you'd like to opt in for the five-day course. It's finding your professional purpose, and you'll get that over a period of five days after you sign up for it. And day two... Will be the motivated skills card sort activity that I talked about um, a, a couple of weeks ago, and the values card sort activity that I'm going to be talking about um, in a few weeks. So that URL is exclusivecareercoaching.com/slash/finding-your-professional-purpose-five. That's F-I-V-E five-day course. So I hope you'll do that. And again, rate, review, subscribe, hook me up because I'm hooking you up with good content. See you next week. Bye. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach. So be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.